BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to new listeners. What is I Seem Fun, the diary of Jen Car- God damn it. This is exactly what it is. I couldn't even say my own name. And I almost just hit pause so that I could edit this out. But screw it. That's what this podcast is. I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast, is a solo podcast done by me, comedian Jen Kirkman. You may remember me from Chelsea Lately or Drunk History. You may have read my books. You may have seen my Netflix specials. I'm going to die alone and just keep living. This is where I go to say whatever the hell I want. There doesn't have to be punchlines. It doesn't have to be politically pleasing to any particular group. It doesn't have to be funny. It can be sincere. I've cried on this podcast before. I've definitely been funny on this podcast before. I've been informative. I've been stupid. I've just been a human. This is where you can go to for free, listen to a performer, riff for an hour about what went on in their mind, in their world, in their life that week. I started this podcast in 2013 when I was a writer and performer on the Chelsea Lately Show. Because of how fun that show was and I was doing things like Drunk History, a lot of people thought I was a very fun party girl. And so they were coming to my shows drunk and screaming things out and I realized this is out of control. People need to know that I seem fun, but I'm really not fun. I'm, I like to do dumb things like stay home on Friday night and make lists. And I like to not be wasted and shouting things out if I'm in the audience somewhere. I wanted a podcast for people to find the real me. And it's been one of the most fun things that I've ever done in my creative life. So if you start listening to the podcast and you feel lost and you feel like it's a conversation that you're not part of, that's kind of what it feels like. But if you stick with it, you'll start to understand that it's random and you can be part of it anytime you want. I will read you a review from the Onion AV Club. What makes I Seem Fun funny is Kirkman's inherent knack for cultivating conflict, even talking into a microphone in a room by herself. Whether she's dissecting a negative iTunes review from an angry Christian or seriously considering a class action suit against Robin Thicke for being gross, Kirkman is eternally embattled, but she tempers her cynicism with sweetness, and more often than not, she's right. Get ready to step inside to I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. Welcome. I seem fun. I seem fun. The Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 264. Hi, everybody. Are you ready for the holidays? Three people have asked me that. Two of the people were in my home, which is decked to the hilt for Christmas. I mean, does it look like I'm ready? I don't know how else I could get ready. It's not like I have anything to... I'm not like running a catering business that has a big event Christmas Day. I'm just flying to New York to see some friends and do some Christmas stuff. Do my usual bopping around. And then I'm uh, going to see my family. Am I ready? I mean, I haven't packed yet, but that'll take a day. You know, that'll take like a few hours out of a day. Emotionally, am I ready? No. No. Never going to be. Never am, never will be. Things I can do to prepare. Right? My mental health is portable. I take, take my ability to meditate with me, my journal, reading that helps me, you know? No, nobody's ever nobody's ever ready for anything that is a weird time of year. My family's all up in arms that I'm staying in a hotel. I'm like, I'm a fucking 44 years old. You know, my sister has a big house on a farm, but but my other sister lives there. My parents come stay over. 
there's three bedrooms that they're taken. One person lives there. My parents stay. So I, I'm the one with, with the more disposable income. So I stay at a hotel on the street. It's great for me. I love hotels. I'd live in one if I could. I'm not really a crash-at-your-house kind of gal. Um, on Thanksgiving, I was like, oh, it's fine. And I didn't rent a car because there was an ice storm. And then I, I stayed in, in my sister's bed, which is not comfortable for me. And I have neck arthritis now. I had a procedure done. Like, no, we're not doing this. We're staying in a hotel. It's, it's a 15-minute drive down the street. I know every night there's going to be a drama. My father's going to say, and this stuff actually worries me. Like, I actually worry about what someone who voted for Donald Trump thinks. So my attitude is like, you can, like, go nuts about it if you want and feel bad and ask me 50 questions. And you call us when you get there. But I, as I always say to my parents when they worry about stupid shit, I was in New York on 9-11 and you didn't seem to fucking care. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mean they didn't seem to care. I'm sure they were worried, but it wasn't like, oh my God, we're, like they didn't call. And I called them like, hey, I didn't know if you noticed it's 9-11. I'm like a mile away. I'm not sure it's happening. I'm sure they were worried, but honestly, I, I didn't hear any panic in their voice. If I'm in their house, if I'm in my sister's house, and I'm like, all right, it's 9.30 at night. I'm going to go down to the hotel now. Oh, you jeez, can you see in the dark? Oh, Jesus, Jennifer. Ronnie, shut up. Lee, Jennifer's got, no, she could go slip on the roads. It's all ice out there. Call us when you get to the hotel. Why is she going to stay at the goddamn hotel anyway? I mean, that's what it'll be. That's how they care sometimes is by getting in complete hysterics. Oh, I diagnose everybody. Everybody, everybody is an adult child of a dysfunctional family. They were, that made me one. Oh, everybody. But I don't play into it. But I think about it. I know it's going to happen. And I'll just say my classic line. Yeah, I was in New York on 9-11. I think I can survive a 15-minute drive on a country road. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm more scared of a 15-minute drive on a country road because I don't like driving in ice. But I've checked the weather. It's going to be in the 30s and 40s. The ice man does not seem to be cometh. Um, yeah, my family doesn't understand the concept of mental health. I'm like, if I'm with you people five days in a row, sleeping in the same beds, never a moment alone except in the shower, even then not really because cats coming in, that's not good for my mental health. I will start a fight. Like that's just going to happen or I'll be miserable or something. But if I can go back to my hotel every night, meditate alone without hearing the sounds of my family arguing about a thing that they don't need to be arguing about or yelling down the hall, not even yelling angry, just yelling from one room to another instead of going into the room and talking. And then I can get up in the morning and get on the treadmill because I'm always like, oh, I'm totally going to work out at my sister's. I'll take a power walk. And then it's like 20 degrees. I'm like, oh, maybe I'm not. I was like, get on the treadmill, do some walking. I have to take care of myself. But see, I said, you know, I used to be married and my husband and I would stay in a hotel down the street. No problem that. And they didn't even like my husband. I barely, you know, was, was overly in love with him myself. He's a great guy. He just wasn't like madly in love. And, uh, you know, nobody was like, well, I guess maybe <laughs> that's why they didn't care that we weren't staying in the same house. But it, it's like, I hate the things afforded to people in relationships that aren't to singles. I'm like, people. I like staying in hotels. I got the money. This is what I work hard for. When I'm at the Ritz, I'm at a, you know, one of those like mid-level, like not a Best Western, not the Ritz, like a Westin, but not the Westin, you know, just like serviceable, nice. We got it. Makes me happy. Oh, but there's going to be 50,000 conversations and whether I engage in them or not, they're happening. I'm listening to them. We're not talking about anything else in these waning years as everyone gets older and I don't live on the same coast. We're just going to talk about the hotel. You stay in there tonight too? Yeah, Christmas Eve, you stay there. Well, Santa Claus isn't real. So that's good. That's good. But say he were, he would know how to find me at the hotel. But the good news is, again, I'm going to get, I'm going to leave at 9.30 at night and I'll probably be back by 8 in the morning. 11 hours is, in most, everyone's asleep. You know, no one's partying all night. You're missing the blow. Ooh, ooh. I'm just asleep down the road. I mean, it's fucking crazy. 
I traveled the country. I said to my family, I was in the fires in Sacramento and San Francisco. My dad didn't seem to care because I think, because he's such a Trump fanatic, I think he was torn in his feelings of being happy that California was getting screwed. I, this is what I think. He might be like, what the hell are you saying that about me for? But I'm telling you, this Trump stuff is ruining the minds of older men. It really is. And I was like, hey, I was in the fire. I was wearing a mask. I couldn't breathe. I don't feel well. I had a headache for weeks. No, no response. You're going to drive 15 minutes down the road to the hotel. It's like they store all their anxiety of all the things their daughter uh, lives through and, and puts it into this 15-minute drive down the street to the hotel when it's like, if there's an incident, I'm in it. The Malaysian plane goes missing. I'm getting on a plane to Australia the next day. I'm always around something weird. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I'm in London. There was a bombing. I like landed. I like, there was some kind of big bombing in London. I land and find out there was a bombing. Everyone's fine. Everyone's fine. You're going to go to, how would, yeah, what, what if you forget your hotel key? How do you get in? I go to the front desk and they'll make me another. Yeah, they still there at night? Yeah, it's a hotel. It's not a go fuck yourself host like home. It's not a building that just says go fuck yourself after 9 p.m. Like it's a front, there's a hotel. It's a 24 hour front desk. You go to a third world country, they have that. I don't know why I'm going on and on like this. I don't even know if my mom listens to my podcast, but she'll be like, what the hell? She'll be mad that I'm talking about my dad like this. But I have to be, I have to be able to. The, the, the 1-800-JUNK guy asked me, if I'm ready for the holidays. And I said, yeah, but no, I'm ready in that I've had my decorations up since Halloween, (laughs) but I'm not ready for all the gossip I'm hearing that there is a major problem with the fact that I'm staying in a hotel and with a recent back procedure where I have arthritis in my neck and need to sleep a certain way. I I am supposed to be expected at my age to sleep in a bed with my sister. Or she's going to sleep, even though she runs a horse farm and works crazy hours, she's just going to sleep on an air mattress while I take her bed. I'm not doing that. Or I'm going to sleep on an air mattress, which I can't do with my back. So, I I mean, this is craziness. This is abject lunacy. So anyway, the irony is that I do have to uh, put some ice on it every night. And I'm the person that doesn't understand the fascination with ice at hotels. Every hotel I stay in. And the ice machine is on. I don't care where the ice machine is. I don't want ice. If I do, I'll, it'll be, there's never a reason. I don't drink ice. Not good for the voice. I don't need ice. If I do, I'll call down. Where's the ice? I'm going to be thinking about ice right now when I'm checking in. I'm just trying to check in. The ice machine, the ice machine. I see people like, if I get off the elevator with people and they're going up and down the hall, honey, that's where the ice machine is. Okay, thanks, Patty. Kids are running around. Ice, ice. What? I've never understood it. It's so dirty. I would never put that ice in my drink. And friends I've had that worked at hotels have told me that that thing never gets cleaned. But I will have to put ice in a baggie and put it around my neck. I have to bring my own baggies. I don't supply baggies. That would be exciting. So, we got ice. We got a hotel. We got ice at the house here, Jen. I know. I know you do. Oh, it's not the same. Well, was last year the same when I didn't come home at all? Is this, isn't this better than that? At least I'm here. Ah, oh, jeez. I can't. I cannot have these people start to act like children. And it's going to happen. And it's going to happen. That's what happens when you get older. Oh my God, I seem fun. The Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. Let's get some business out of the way, folksy doxies. Seattle is on sale. I'm doing a special Valentine's Day show. How fucking fun does that sound? I couldn't wait to get back to Seattle. I'm going to Portland in March. I'm like, you know what? Seattle's an easy peasy flight. Got my Alaska Air miles. Get up there. Probably free flight after all my miles. Boop, 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 boop. Which is good because when you do these theater shows, they don't pay for your travel. Comedy clubs do. Interesting. So uh, that's how that goes. So you get there. You you get there. You go to jenkirkman.com, click tour. I'm back at the Neptune Theater. I was there last year. My God, I think this is my 13th return to Seattle. And every time I come, it's, a, it's like a relay. It's like new people, new people. So come see me again. If uh, I'm not doing stuff you've seen 
on TV and I should mostly not be doing stuff that you saw me do last year. Um, so this will be good. This will be good in the hood. And I figure Valentine's Day is a great time to go. It's a Thursday night, 8 o'clock. Get you home. Get you out of there by 9.45. You go to bed. You get to work on Friday. I figured it's a good night because the single people, what do, you, what do you have to do besides feel like shit that night? I know you don't care about Valentine's Day. Every time I've been in a relationship, I don't celebrate it. Never have once in my life. Right? My famous story, I went to a Ramones concert when I was... Um, 21 and had a, a boyfriend that happened to fall on Valentine's Day. It happened to, I'd ha- it wasn't my first boyfriend. I'm saying it was the uh, first boyfriend I had that cared about Valentine's Day and that we actually were still together during it. And I was like, oh, I bought a ticket to see the Ramones. It's probably the last time they're playing Boston. And it was. And then they broke up and everybody died. So I would have kicked myself if I spent Valentine's Day with a guy I could see any day of the week. And instead I spent it front row of the mezzanine with my boys, Joey and Johnny Ramon. So, but you still, now that night I didn't feel bad, but um, I remember I had the shittiest Valentine's Day last year. I was taking that Pilates class. Do you remember that story? I know Tim out there does, Tim, you came to the Christmas show with your beautiful wife who is a Pilates teacher and she's cool as shit. And she wore, I forget which one it was. Maybe it said Boss. She wore one of my necklaces in a shoot she did for, I think it was a Lululemon campaign or something. Anyway, I remember Tim wrote to me, God, time goes by fast. Well, no, I guess it doesn't. It's not February yet. Um, it was appropriately 10 months ago, 10 and a half months ago. But he wrote me after I talked about this class. And he was like, my wife can validate that that was an inappropriate teacher. And I could validate it too because I've been taking... Pilates for over a decade with mainly the same couple teachers and I just happened to be in Brooklyn and tried someone new and I was like nope to the bope this woman we won't have to get into it but it was whatever last year's episode the week after Valentine's Day she was being really weird to me and the other woman in the class and it, it was annoying so she kept saying you're tensing up you're hunching it's because you're trying to protect your heart because you're heartbroken because you're in a class on valentine's day and i was like um no actually literally wasn't heartbroken like and the woman next to me was married and she's like my husband and i hate valentine's day and i was like i'm protecting myself because my back feels weird which it turns out is arthritis so i just thought god it's so annoying how the culture Um, treats people on Valentine's Day who aren't in a relationship. And no, no matter how many times you set, you can only get away with not celebrating it if you're like, I'm in a relationship, we hate that shit. So how fun will it be for you, Sangles, to come see me on Valentine's Day? You might go, I don't want to go anywhere alone. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is the night where you meet the love of your life. You meet an I seem funner. You already know you get everything in common. You go alone. So many people go to my shows alone. Nobody has ever regretted it. That's right. Nobody. <laughs> I've got the numbers, but I'm, I'm really serious. If anyone's worried about going alone, will you email me? I seem fun at gmail.com. And if anyone wants to send me a letter about how awesome it is to go to a show, can you please email? I seem fun at gmail.com and I will read your letters. I actually, that is the topic going alone to a Jen Kirkman show. What has happened? what hasn't happened that you feared and talk to me, talk to me people. Anyway, I thought that would be great. So that is February 14th, Thursday night. Please, please save the date. Oh no, tickets will be on sale by the time you hear this. And couples, you're welcome to come too, because I know the couples that listen to my show aren't these cheese McGeezes who are like, we're going to go to a restaurant and get a gold dipped rose and pay $75 pre-fee, price fix, pricks fix, prices. I know. I know you. You want to come see a comedy show. And I don't even talk about relationships in my comedy, so you don't even have to deal with that. How's that sound? How do you like me now? So that's on sale. So we've got the first six tour dates of the year. We've got Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Chicago, Phoenix, Dallas, 
Arlington, Virginia. All of them on sale, all of them happening between Jean-Louis and March. As you guys know, I quit my job. I want to tour full-time. Please, please buy tickets. I beg you. It's, not, it's nothing like you've just seen on Netflix. It's better. It's live. It's just, a, it's just a great experience. I love performing. A friend of mine came to my Christmas show last week, and he's like, I know you really well. Like, We do a lot of like self-helpy therapy kind of stuff together, and he's like, I know how like nuts you can be. And you are just perfect up there. Like it is, I can tell it's your joy and it's magical. And I thought that was very nice. Now you might be like, you're just a comic, it's fine. But what I'm telling you is something magical happens to me up there and I, I would love to, to just be up there all the time because I like connecting with people. Um, and it makes me happy to spread as much joy as I can hopefully spreading joy with my comedy, trying to move away. I think I've moved away quite successfully in the past few years of like angry. I was so angry years ago. I really wish I could just destroy all that comedy. Um, whatever. You know, it is what it is. So come to all those. Now, I'm sort of bummed. Some of you are like, I listen to your podcast. I'm on your email list, but I hope you come here. I'm like, guys, I know it sounds crazy. I cannot control all of you. But I'm just going to tell you, that still annoys me because I wish I could go everywhere. I'm not like Ali Wong famous where I can just show up anywhere and I know like thousands of people will come. Like, yeah, of course I want to go to Dublin, but I have to tie it in with when I go to London where I do a theater where they give me a guarantee. So if no one shows up, I still get paid and they pay my flight. But I've been to London three times in the past 15 months, so I have to wait a bit and then I can tag on like then I'll hop to Dublin for a night. I'll hop to maybe like the Nordic regions for a night. I'll hop to this. I'll hop, I, like I'm going I, in Manchester again. I want to do all that. It's just going to cost me money and I do this for a living. So it doesn't make sense to make negative money. Does that make sense? So it's like, yeah, I want to go too. You're just reminding me of how not successful I am. So please, it's I don't need encouragement. I will go anywhere except the Middle East. And I don't mean to be offensive, but I just don't want to perform there. So Guys, please, I want to go to Iceland. I want to go to Reykjavik. I want to go everywhere. The other cities that I'm um, working out right now with my agent. Now, here's the thing. Denver, I want to go back to. I've wanted to forever. But to play your own theater in Denver is really hard because the Comedy Works has like a hold on everything. Like they have the biggest email list. They've got all the press. Like you just basically are competing with the most popular place on earth in Denver. So again, you have to be like pretty famous to avoid all that. So I'm not. So I do the comedy club, but it's the most popular comedy club. So they haven't been able to book me in a while. So if you want the, me to come to the Comedy Works Denver downtown, send them a tweet. Um, I think it's at Comedy Works and just say, we'd love to come see Jen Kirkman because that's what it's going to take for them to book me Um same with Wise Guys in Utah. I want to come to that too. So hang on. Yeah, so at Comedy Works in Denver, and then Wise Guys in Utah, the downtown club. Um, let's see. Wise Guys Comedy. Yeah, they've got three locations, but all of them are under at Wise Guys Utah. And just say you want to come see Jen Kirkman downtown. Um, Salt Lake City location. So so those are the clubs we're working on that, that have been a little bit harder to um, wrangle. So that's the inside info on that. Um, and these are the, uh, I want to go back to Minneapolis, but I want to go back to the Acme Comedy Club instead of doing my own theater. Just because it's been a while since I've been to Acme and I really love it there. So you can tell them you want to see me. Um, the cities that I'm coming to this year, and again, it's all dependent on if my agent can work out the routing and the venues and the whatever. So if I don't make it, it'll be like very early the next year. But want to be back in Charlotte and Raleigh and Asheville or Chapel Hill, Bend, Oregon. Um, sadly, Tacoma, Washington, the comedy club there won't have me back. I don't know why. They said they don't really think I'm a headliner. I don't understand that. Zany's Nashville won't let me work there. They say that they don't think of me as a headliner. I'm literally a headliner for a living worldwide and have done two Netflix specials. So it's been really sad. So I'll just have to do my own venue 
in uh, Nashville. But uh, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Nashville, Athens, Georgia, never been there. Going to do that instead of Atlanta. Um, I'm looking into maybe something in South Carolina, New Orleans. I used to do that a lot, but the, the place, the people that run it aren't really around. Somewhere in Alabama, either Montgomery, Huntsville, or Birmingham. I don't need suggestions or encouragement. It's based on my agent and what, trust me, it's it's all numbers and uh, what they call comps, like in the real estate industry, like you compare other comics where they went, what they did. So it's like, it doesn't matter kind of anyone's opinion. That's why I'm always like, it's just not worth it to even tell me. Houston, Texas, Austin. I'd love to try San Antonio. It's not really a scene. Tucson, Arizona. Hopefully I'll go back, but I am in Phoenix, so I don't think I will. Omaha, one of my favorites. Kansas City, Oklahoma City. Champaign, Illinois, Madison, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Grand Rapids, Wisconsin, maybe Appleton, Iowa City. I'd like to go back to Kalamazoo. It's been a while. Louisville, Kentucky, never done it. Would like to try it. Memphis, would like to try it. Uh, Columbus, Cincinnati, Cleveland. Uh, Toronto, Winnipeg, Vancouver. I've heard all of your, uh, Montreal maybe, I've heard all your cries for Edmonton. My agent is not convinced that we have a good uh, crowd there or a good venue. I know Maria Bamford played there again. It's a little bit out of my league to do where she goes. So, you know, we're trying and that's what's going on. I'd love to go back to the UK. Not sure if that's going to happen this year. I'd love to go back to Melbourne. Not sure if that's happening this year. So that's the skinny. Um, Again, anything can happen. So I would stay on my newsletter, jenkirkman.com, click tour. I will tell you, in the last four years, I got last-minute gigs in Anchorage, Alaska, Lund, Sweden, um, Manchester, UK. Oh, God, I can't remember. There was um, Halifax. There was, like, these last-minute things, like, want to go here? I was like, fuck yeah. So just trust me. Like, you never know what could pop up because I never know what could pop up. But those are the cities we're planning. And trust me, I need to hit as many as possible because, again, this is my job. Okay. So, how does that sound? Is everybody happy? Can you guys buy me some early tickets? And can you tweet hashtag Jen Kirkman 2019? That, that'll be a good way for me to find you guys if you write, I just got tickets for this or I'm getting tickets for that. And then I can, what, again, you know my theory, people will come to shows if they see that other people are. They'll be like, oh, people really go to comedy. I cannot tell you how many people I meet who go, oh, I don't even know that live comedy is a thing. Is it, Wouldn't you guys rather do Netflix? I'm like, no. I mean, we need to do that for the money. But no, we wouldn't. And to get you guys to know about us so that we can tour. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Okay. Buy my books. If you don't already have them, I can barely take care of myself. And I know what I'm doing in other lives, I tell myself. Great books to get for that weirdo in your life. Maybe they're divorced. They don't want kids. They travel a lot. They have a strange job. People question their lifestyle. You will be the hero aunt or uncle or friend or whatever. Buy it brand new. Give it to people. Of course, it's on Amazon. But if you go to jenkirkman.com, click books, you can find out how to order it from an indie bookstore. You can even get it on Kindle. I mean, listen, I ain't stopping you. I will be selling books at every show. There's a slight markup because I have to travel with them. It costs me money to bring the books to you. I have to buy them myself and I'm signing them after the show. So every year, every show selling and signing books, it is a free meet and greet. There are no more of those paid meet and greets. That did not work for me. I did not like uh, how it went. So free meet and greets until someone fucks it up. Okay. How does all that sound? And go, of course, to my merchandise store, Tee Public. Again, go to jenkirkman.com, click shop, and then once you're on that page, you can click into Tee Public. We've got t-shirts and mugs and sweatshirts and pillows and iPhone cases and tote bags and, and mugs. Every single design you see can be made into any one of those things. We love it. We love it. I'm especially partial to the Girls Will Be Girls t-shirts, and the I Seem Fun pillow is one of my favorite things. My sister just got one. I'm like, that looks good. I'm going to get one for myself. So... Oh my God, have I talked enough. So, oh, I forgot to read this last year, last year, last week. I, uh, the week before I had read, so on this private secret, I seem fun Facebook group. Well, it's closed. It's not secret. But if you are on it, you can write anything and nobody in your Facebook life can see what you're writing. Oh, and then I'm going to tell you about my spinal injection. Um, but I make you guys answer questions before you join, just so I can make sure you're real people. And I ask, well, you, you already know this if you're on the group, but if you don't, I ask, what do you find fun that other people don't? And I read, I read those to you a couple of weeks ago. They're, you guys are all so similar. It's the most adorbs thing. You all love folding laundry. 
I hate it. I like doing laundry, but then once it's done, I'm like, oh my God, I have to put it away. I hate it. Um, and then you guys, I put, what do you, what do other people find fun that you find stupid? So I'm going to read you right now. This is from a sampling of I Seem Funners, what you guys do not find fun. These are things that other people find fun that I Seem Funners find stupid. Of course, I don't, we, these people don't speak for all I Seem Funners, but these are your brethren out there. See if you agree. One person said, shopping, don't get me wrong, I love spending money on stuff, I just don't enjoy going to crowded stores to browse for some stuff I might want. Also, way too much visual stimulation, and I always get asked where stuff is, unless I, as though I friggin' work there. Why? What do you wear? Do you wear, (laughs) you're like, I always wear my Target shirt to Target with my name tag, and I'm always getting asked where things are. Oh, she is fun. A football, something that you guys don't like. French presses, make American presses great again. Uh, The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, and other must-see shows. Oh, I'm so with you. I don't like any of those. Uh, beer. This person doesn't like beer. I've never understood how people can enjoy beer. And I believe that most people are just forcing themselves to like it. And once they've drunk enough, as in on multiple occasions, they just get used to it. Not fun. There are much tastier drinks. Now, you know, that's how I feel about vodka. I'm like, how does anyone like vodka? I think it's disgusting. I've had Cosmos. I've mixed it with things. I've gotten through the day. If I've just had vodka to drink at some kind of event where they don't serve anything else, um, but it's got to be filled with like, you have to put like candy canes in it and like liquid lava from a volcano and I have to burn my tongue all to distract me from the fact that I'm drinking vodka. I can drink whiskey neat and I like wine. But see, I, I bet an acupuncturist could tell me this or even some kind of like food, homeopath, psychiatrist, food person. I like hot, dark coffee. I hate blonde roast and I hate iced coffee. If I, if I'm going to drink hard alcohol, it's whiskey neat, like a, um, uh, like a Johnny Walker, like the fanciest fancy one. And I love a dark Cabernet or an old vine Zin. I'm not like Pinot Noir light. I don't like rosé. It's like dark, 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 heavy, jammy, jammy, full bodied, milky. I've heard and I like my hot, dark coffee. I like just like, like I'm intense. You know what I mean? I've got that intensity with my drinks. Um, so, but I will say every once in a while, a couple times a year, I crave two things. A soda with ice from like a fountain soda. Well, that's the only time I drink ice. Again, not ice from, although I'm sure ice from a fountain soda machine is just as bad as a hotel lobby, but or hotel. It's not in the lobby. Ma'am, we tried to tell you where the ice was. You wouldn't listen. It's not in the lobby. Stop wandering around the lobby with a cup. I'm sorry, but this is the one time a year I get a strange urge for soda with ice in it. Well, ma'am, we tried to tell you when you checked in that the ice machine is on every floor at the end of the hall. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I should have listened. I'm sorry. Okay. I didn't know I was going to have this urge. But every once in a while, I want a cold beer. And I, I don't like beer from a can. I, I, I even, I like it from a bottle. Just give me that Coors Light, baby. I'll drink a Coors, not Coors Light, Heineken. Give me a Heineken. Give me a, give me a, you know, those like micro brews that are kind of spicy. Like I'll do that. I just don't cause I'm vain and it makes me bloated and puffy. And I'd rather not drink something that makes me look like I've gained 10 pounds the next day. But for the taste, I sure do love it. Not too often, just once a year. Once a year. Don't mean to disagree with you there. I really came down hard. Uh, Somebody else said watching sports they don't find fun. Someone else wrote binge drinking at bars. Another person, sports, they don't find them fun. Baby showers. I've never been to a fun baby shower, and I don't think I ever will. I don't think you ever will either. Ain't nobody give a fuck. I swear to God, if you have a baby shower, this is what you should do. You should have, we need to change the whole thing. We need to call it like mother's helpers or something like, you know, a little winky winky play on, on pills, but have other mothers come over. I mean, I know it seems like rude to, ex- I don't know. How would anyone feel? Again, email me this. I seem fun at gmail.com. 
How, because I know that like, okay, it would be different if you had a wedding and you only invited couples, like that would hurt people's feelings, but I don't see how it would hurt people's feelings, people's feelings. Is it going to hurt people's feelings if you have a baby shower and you only invite other mothers or other people who've had babies, um, who are very interested in buying you gifts that they think you should have? You know, oh my God, I used the Womper Bumper and it really helped when he was throwing tantrums. I just rock him in the Womper Bumper. Oh, thank you. But I now have to spend $100 on a thing that I'm like, well, if you can afford a baby, I know you can afford your own, you know, burping bibs or whatever. And I'm not interested. Like, I'm not interested in anything to do with the raising of children. Now, what's interesting is every charity I give to, and I've given to many this year, this season, all have to do with children and the betterment of their education or book drives or toy drives or their health. I'm so invested in children. I just don't care about the birthing, the having of children, the, the, the day-to-day mommy stuff, but mommies care. So why wouldn't you have almost like, I feel like a baby shower was probably almost started as a community thing where moms came to help new moms because they have the experience. But now you're inviting women without kids and they sit there and they feel left out. Even if they don't want kids, they are being left out of conversations that they don't care to be in. So it's like, why am I even here on nine levels? And then inevitably the attention turns not to the pregnant woman, but to the people without kids. And, you know, you could just politely decline and send a gift, but why even involve us in the first place? Like why? Just have your mommy friends over and have them buy you things that they know you need or you can have, you know, it's like having a little Tupperware party or something. Um, I don't know. I just think it's weird. Or have like a last hurrah pregnancy party. Like, I'm allowed one drink before the baby comes, so come over and have mimosas, no presents. This is the last time we'll be able to talk without me like nursing in front of you with a baby going, wah, and me going, sorry, hang on one sec, I'll ask about your life in two seconds. You know, like that would be fun. But this notion of this one size fits all baby shower where we all buy you gifts and I don't care. I don't care. Um, someone else doesn't find going out to brunch fun. I'd rather eat a normal breakfast at a normal time and go out for a hike with friends. That sounds fun. Um, what do you find stupid that other people find fun? Oh my God, so many things. Fire worst. Fire worst. <laughs> they are the worst. Fireworks. They're a waste of money in the upset dogs. This person doesn't like bowling, children's parties, group tours, or sports in all caps. I like group tours. I'm a dork. I like bowling too. Um, this other person says they do not like watching superhero movies, DC, Marvel, whatever. I don't get it. The last movie I watched was about how algorithms run our lives. Love me a documentary. Ooh. Did I ever recommend the Joan Jett documentary to you guys? Bad reputation. Fucking watch it. Especially if you're in the arts, especially if you're a punk rock type. She is a business motherfucking woman and she's humble and she's amazing. And I learned a lot about how I want to be from it. And I really loved it. I highly recommend it. It's a very positive documentary. Um, someone else said they do not like going on a cruise. Claustrophobic accommodations. The thought of a swimming pool above me. <laughs> Assigned seating at dinner. Oh, God, I didn't know that. And overly enthusiastic whale watchers, the worst. I've been on two whale watches. I spent the entire time on both hurling my guts over the edge. Literally. I'm still dehydrated, and these were 10 years ago. Uh, somebody does not like military holiday balls. I am not familiar with this. You have to pay lots of money for tickets just to dress up in starched, tight dress uniforms that you can barely breathe in and be around people you spend all day with anyway. Boring. Oh, that must be like your version of the office party then if you're in the military. Um, yeah, it's like, hey, guys, you're in uniform. Get in another one for the party. <laughs> Oh my God, speaking of clothing, that won't feel like it's doing any of this to you. My new favorite sponsor, because I am wearing all of their clothes, I have, oh my God, I have so many other things. Everlane, people, Everlane. I'm going around and just telling everyone, you want to get your basics at Everlane, but there's so much more than basics that it's beautiful clothing. Okay, so basically like we're all buying t-shirts out there for 50 bucks and we know they only cost $7 to make. Stop doing that. With Everlane, you never need to overpay for quality clothes. They make premium essentials using the finest materials without traditional markups. And it's true. I have silk tops from them. I have cashmere sweaters and they 
were not expensive. And they tell you their real costs so that you know you're not overpaying. They're radically transparent about every step in their process, the materials they use, and they work with ethical factories. Their prices are 30 to 50% lower than traditional retailers. This is for men and women. It is simple, stylish, and quality materials. I have... Um, the day heel, which is, and I have bunions on my feet and I cannot wear like many high heels because they're all pointy. These are not. And they look like those fancy ballet shoes. Um, and they've got a little heel and they look cool as all hell. And then I have a really cool boot. It almost looks like one of those Beatles boots. I've got vel- uh, velvet. I've got um, cashmere uh, sweaters, cashmere uh, button up cardigans, uh, silk short sleeve shirts. I love it. Men, you can get a cashmere crew, what they call a 100% human tee, a twill weekender bag, a slim fit jean, a straight fit jean, and a men's Japanese Oxford. Everlane sells timeless essentials, no frills, just quality. You can check out their personalized collection at everlane.com slash fun. It's E-V-E-R-L-A-N as in Nancy E dot com slash fun. And you're going to get free shipping on your first order, which is amazing, especially this time of year. Everlane.com slash fun. Everlane.com slash fun. Start your day with style and let the day continue in comfort. Timeless classic pieces, comfortable Italian leather heels, versatile cotton dresses. You can dress it up or dress it down. Cashmere silk and more. This is where you're going for your basics. Everlane.com slash fun. All right, folksy doxies. So I tell you about my procedure. I feel a little bad because I was a little bit. I look. I'm honest. I try not to be curt. I try not to be rude, but I am honest and to the point. And if you write me, sometimes you take a chance that I write back with my signature honesty. If you know me, you know how much I love you and you can deal with it because there gets to be a back and forth. If somehow my honesty has hurt your feelings, I tend to work things out quite easily with friends and I'm very sensitive and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I mean it. Um, I'm never brutal. I'm never judgy, but I do take things personally. So you have to remember, I am a human being. If you reach out to me with unsolicited medical advice, you are not doing two things. You are not taking into consideration why I even shared the information in the first place, which was never to get advice. It was to help others who might be going through the same thing or just to like update people. Um, and to say I'm proud of myself for going through this thing. But you have to imagine that I'm getting hundreds of unsolicited advice and then it starts to get annoying. So you never know who I'm going to write back to, but I was... I put pictures on my Instagram story. I said, I found out I had arthritis. I, I didn't, I guess, go into enough details that like, I've tried everything. It's been years. Ba-ba. I got, I'll, I'll explain the whole procedure I got. But this woman wrote my DMs. Not even like, oh, that's interesting. Or you probably know your own health. You're a 44-year-old woman who travels for a living and writes. You probably have back issues and, you know, want to do it right. She said, um, you should really see an osteopath which I have, by the way, I even have one in Melbourne, Australia. There's one I see in Montreal. There's one I see here. Like I've been to them and they're genius. That's just this issue. I can't like, it'd be like when people were giving me vocal cord advice, my cords were so inflamed that I had to take a round of steroids before we could even think about doing exercises. Cause the exercises I was doing for a year were making it worse. It's like trying to do physical therapy on a broken ankle. Sometimes you just have a broken ankle and it doesn't mean it's from something emotional. It means you fix the broken ankle and then you do physical therapy. So I did this procedure so I could then do physical therapy. And she said, then she explained what an osteopath is as if I didn't know. So I found it annoying and I said, hey, I know you're trying to help. I really don't want unsolicited advice. I'm very aware of what osteopaths do. I've seen many. Um, This is arthritis and this is not, Um, this is in my bones and I was having such bad headaches. I couldn't stand up the last week. Um, I somehow made it through my Christmas show. I didn't put that part in it. I'm just telling you guys and, uh, couldn't move my head and my life was miserable and I tried everything. I, I assumed it was emotional for the first three months. 
I saw acupuncturists, cupping, Thai massage, deep tissue massage, massage therapists, physical therapists, chiropractor, electric stim, ice, heat, heat, ice, Pilates. I do it six times a week. It was getting worse and worse and worse. Every time anyone touched it, it was worse and worse and worse. I finally went to get an MRI, not because I'm thinking, oh, I just, that's what I do now. I'm just Western medicine all up. I just do surgery and MRIs. I went to a special pain management doctor who does not deal with prescribing opioids. Um, he gets an MRI. He helps you with new solutions of how to get inflammation down. And I have arthritis in my lower skull. And I have uh, some discs that are not doing what they're supposed to do in my neck. And it was connecting on a nerve that pushed all the way down the right side of my back. And it was a nightmare. Now, it wasn't too bad. It was just that it was so stiff. And then sometimes I would get this um, just crazy cramp, like muscle spasms in my mid-back. And it made it, my life really unpredictable. And I drive a lot and I travel a lot. So I really wanted a solution. So I went and uh, so this is what happened. I went to see him. I described it. He's like, yep, we're going to do an MRI. And he's like, I'm going to call the MRI place right now. They're open late. You can go there. So I was like, cool. This guy is awesome. So I go to the MRI place. I think I told you guys this before. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoy laying down. I don't care if there's a thing going, it doesn't bother me. So I get the MRI. I go back to the doctor two days later. He's like, uh, have you been having like weird pain in the bottom of your skull? I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's arthritis. I'm like, ah, it's like burning. It's, it's annoying. It's not too bad though. I mean, it's like literally if it were just that, I could probably live the rest of my life this way, but I'd be 30% in a bad mood all the time because I'd feel so stiff. Um, I mean, let's just say you could live your life that way and it never worsens. It's like, mm, I could probably just suffer through it. But why live that way when you don't have to, right? So he said, I want to do this uh, cervical epidural shot. It takes the inflammation down, the discs they can repair. This is all reversible. Now, you do have arthritis. It doesn't mean you will feel like you have arthritis every day of your life once you get back into your Pilates, and then we'll assign you some physical therapy. But we need to get the inflammation down before we start with all this maneuvering. You just need to sit still for a while after doing this. You can go back to your Pilates in a few days. You can do your walking. But in terms of physical therapy, we really need to not aggravate this because it's so aggravated because you, you did things backwards. Uh, which is why the unsolicited advice doesn't help because you guys aren't fucking osteo. Um, you're not orthopedic surgeons. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he... Um, I opted to get the shot without anesthesia because he's like, you don't really need it. It's for people that are freaking out phobic of needles to where they're going to be shaking on the table and causing me problems. And I was like, I think I'm more freaking out phobia anesthesia these days, which is so unlike me. I used to love me some anesthesia. And, and that you can get injected with something before the anesthesia is a joy. But I just didn't want to go through with it. I actually didn't have time for the recovery downtime. It completely suppresses your immune system. I got shit to do. I just didn't want to. I was like, honestly, do people do it without it? He's like, oh, yeah, all the time. We do a local anesthetic. And he's like, I've had it done. And no offense, men, but when a man says he's had something done that doesn't hurt, I'm like, then it doesn't hurt. Um, so I go to CVS. I pick up the Valium. Because they said, I said, well, first I was like, I'll just drive myself here and there the day of the thing. It's just local anesthesia. And he's like, yeah, sure. And then as I was checking out the really nice guy at the front desk, the nurse, I was like, he's like, are you going to drive yourself? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, why? Does it hurt after? He's like, no, but well, I mean, you're going to take something before the thing? I go, no. And he goes, some people do Valium. I go, oh, it's like one of those where I might need to like stay calm. He's like, oh yeah. I'm like, Oh, all right. I'm literally like, I would rather not take Valium than have a fucking Uber talk to me the whole time. But luckily I had quiet drives because the first one I was like, hey, I'm going to get a medical procedure. I'm nervous. I'm just going to listen to meditation tape on my phone. He's like, okay. And then he proceeded to blare like bat. I took a big honking SUV. So there'd be lots of space between me and the driver. And also 
uh, they have to take the 101 to the 405. And I, I feel safer in bigger cars, even though I know there's like no logic to that necessarily. But I get anxious when other people drive me. It's not my favorite thing. So he was blaring music so loud. And when I asked him to turn it down, he ignored me like he didn't understand English. But he did understand English. So that was weird. Drive home, the guy didn't talk. I was like, I'm re- I was really drugged. So I go to the pharmacy. And they give me two Valium, each one five milligrams. Now, I've never, I think maybe I took Valium a long time ago, but I'm a clonopin person. They're both benzos. I take half a milligram of clonopin, the dissolvable kind, as needed for panic attacks on airplanes. And then if I'm still panicking, 15 minutes later, I take another one. So in the past, I've taken two or three milligrams of clonopin, which is kind of a lot. Um, that was in my early, early, early phobia of flying days when I just, I had to be knocked out like anesthesia style, unaware that I'm flying. And now it's like, I don't even take it anymore, but I have it for like that totally random panic attack that can come on on a subway or on an airplane or whatever. But it's half a milligram and I'm fine. But I, in general, do have a high tolerance for these kind of benzos and, and stuff. Um, even though a half milligram of clonopin does arrest a panic attack. That's just how good it is. And spe- it's so specific. Um, clonopin is really specific for panic attacks, but I knew that at this procedure, it didn't call for clonopin because I wasn't going to be having a panic attack. I was going to be more anxious and shaking, which is two different things. Um, and I didn't want my body to be shaking and disturb the doctor with the needle on my neck. So what I do is, is I do this. So I, uh, I look up because I'm very concerned now that I'm not going to be relaxed enough. I look up online, what is five milligrams of Valium really equal? And it equals about a half milligram of Clonopin. I'm like, well, that's not a lot. So when I pick it up at the pharmacy, they gave me two tablets, two five milligram tablets, but it said take one by mouth 45 minutes before the procedure. And I said, can I take two? I mean, maybe not together, but like one. And then an hour later, she goes, no, this is really strong. I go, yeah, but I'm reading online that they do make 10 milligram tablets. So there is a world where a person has taken 10, 10 milligrams at once and survived. Like I'm reading all these forums, people with really bad anxiety take like, you know, 10 milligrams a day every day. They live their life. Um, so then I'm like, well, I'm even talking to the fucking pharmacist. I'll just ask the nurse when I get there. They gave me two, obviously. There must be something to it. So I take one, I'm in the car and I'm, my anxiety is being put to the test because I'm, a passenger in a car on the freeway, and I don't like how anyone drives, especially men who drive Ubers. I'm sorry, men, you just you just suck at driving. You just fucking do. For so many years, I believed it was women were bad drivers. Anyway, so uh, I'm still anxious, although I feel a little drowsy. Like I feel like if I weren't in a car feeling anxious and you just put me in my bed, I could probably fall right asleep. Like just a little drowsy. Or maybe if you handed me a pen, I would put it down and be like, where'd I put that? Like that, but that's all I felt. I didn't necessarily feel, I didn't feel anxious though, but I knew the, for me, the anxiety comes on the minute I'm laying down and they're about to, in quotes, operate and then I'm shaking and it's too late. So I wanted to avert that. And I was very proud of myself because I used to be so afraid. Oh, what do people think I'm crazy? And then I was just like, I'm not crazy. I'm a grown ass lady going about her business being a busy business lady. And I went in and I said, hey, um, guy's name is Diego. I'm like, I took a Valium an hour ago. Can I take another? And he goes, you seem a little drugged. I go, I totally admit that I am, but I don't know if I'm drug- drugged enough to not shake on the table. Also, I seem drugged anyway all the time. That should also be the name of this podcast because I slur and I'm, I'm, I'm frankly very out of it a lot. Because I live in my head. I'm a writer. So I said, um, listen, I don't, he goes, do you have a driver? I go, yeah, I got an Uber. I go, it's, I don't care how I'm going to feel. Am I going to drop dead? And he's like, no. I go, then I'm taking another one. He's like, okay. So I took a half and I was still waiting and I'm like, oh, fuck it. I'll take the other half. Because I, I, I took a half in the lobby because I was like 15 minutes early. Then he escorts me into the room. And I take another half. I'm totally fine though. Like now, now I'm like, oh yeah, sweet spot. But for me, it was 10 milligrams, not five. So they don't show the needles anywhere, but I saw all the little 
things, like I saw the little bottles that they stick the needle in. And I said to my doctor, I have three things to say. I need to say them because it will calm me down. I know this is not rational, but please let me say them. He's like, all right. I said, I'm afraid of three things. One, I've read on the paperwork that you guys gave me that people sometimes faint during this. He goes, they do. I go, I've never fainted. I'm scared that if I faint, I'll somehow die. You won't notice. I'll have a stroke. He'll go, oh, he goes, okay. I go, I'm also afraid that somehow it's going to hurt so much. I'm going to flinch and you're going to screw this up. Not that I don't believe in your awesome stuff. He goes, okay. Uh, like he's super cool. He's cocky, but like real cool about it. He's like, got it. He's like, anything else? I go, no. He goes, okay, well, none of that's going to happen. And he just cracks me up with his coolness. And so I'm like, okay, but it helped me to say it. He's like, yep. And um, so I lay down, face down. My head hurt so much. It just, it was crazy. And now the headache went away. But so first he puts the lidocaine shot in so that that numbs the area. And I was like, ouchie, ouchie, not going to lie, that hurts. And he's like, okay, well, it should start getting numb. I thought it was like a dentist where they leave for 20 minutes and you're starting to get numb. I'm like, yeah, I'll start to get numb. Valium will kick in more. Then he starts doing something. It feels like he's putting clamps around my neck or something. It was like really the base of my neck. And he's like, okay. And I go, when are you putting the needle in? He goes, oh, do you want to play by play? I go, yeah. So they were doing this thing called fluorology where they shoot you with a dye. And so he's looking at an x-ray of your neck. And that's how he's knowing where to position the needle. He's not really looking at you. He's looking at the x-ray. So he's like, okay, right now we're trying to find the right spot. And I go, but you've shot the dye in, right? He's like, uh, yeah. I go, so then you'll let me know when you put the needle in? He's like, uh-huh. And he's like, okay, we're just trying to find the right spot. Um, and it is crazy pain. So even though I knew that the pain in my neck corresponded with the pain in my like lower shoulder blade. I'd never felt it as one solid line happening all at once. And it was like that hurt so good pain. Like, you know, when you get a massage because you have like a muscle spasm or a stiff muscle and they're not doing it hard enough and you're like, no, harder. it was like as though someone was doing that, but you couldn't feel them touching your skin. So it's just like someone grabbing your nerve and just like pushing it. And it was like, ow, but yeah, it was I can't explain it. It was kind of cool. And if you've ever had acupuncture and sometimes the needles, like they barely hurt, but it can just feel a little like, oh, ouchy, bruisey. It was like that times 10, like a flu shot, but on a nerve, you know, but it was intense. I was like, this is intense. This is intense. And I was like, but it's doable. And I, I just said, if I make noises, this will help. I'm like, wow, I can't imagine though. I hope the needle doesn't hurt more than this. I hope the needle doesn't hurt more than this. I know you're just putting the dye in right now. And he's like, uh-huh. And so Diego, the nurse guy, gave me these balls to squeeze. I go, this is not helpful, but okay, I'll, I'll amuse you guys. So I'm just like trying to amuse myself with jokes. And then the doctor goes, we're done. And I go, I thought you were going to tell me when you put the needle in. He goes, you think you want to play by play, but you don't. He's like, you didn't need to know. Did you feel it? I'm like, yeah. Then I was like, ow, I was like, oh my God, ow, this hurts. But it didn't hurt in a bad way. It was just so sore and so stiff. It wasn't like uncomprehensible pain. Like this wasn't childbirth. But I was like, I don't think I can move. Like it feels paralyzed. And they're like, yeah, it can feel that way. They're like, just lay here for a few minutes. I'm like, okay. And um, that was it. I might have to do another one in the new year. Now I'm not scared at all. It's totally fine. And I'm sure it'll hurt even less. It was so doable. Like, ain't nobody need anesthesia for this. Um, it, it was seriously 60 seconds. And yeah, it was cool. And I asked him about it. He's like, look, if you were 80, I might tell you just take these shots and try to live your life. He's like, you might need two more shots. You might need no more. They could last a year. He's like, but if you, after this, we'll get you physical therapy. Like, he's like, we're just taking this a step at a time. So I'm not going to get ahead of myself and tell you what you're going to do next, which is a little annoying, but I'm like, okay, fine. And he's like, look, as you get older through the years, like there's stem cell stuff. There's so much stuff we can do now for this little arthritis thing. And I was like, cool. And I'm already like looking at, I know the diets to do. And like, basically the arthritis diet is very similar to the acid-free diet. And it's actually interesting that acidic people tend to have arthritis. It's, it's always amazing to me, to me, to me when I find these things are connected. So 
it's kind of cool. Like I'm already used to that diet anyway, so I'll just take it a little more seriously. You know, um, it's really, it's really cool. So yeah, he was, he was awesome. And, um, he even wanted me to go back next week, but I'm going to be in New York and he's like, Oh, you should be fine. But I already feel better. Like I can move my neck. It just feels really sore. Like I just had a good massage or something, but I can already tell that the inflammation is going way down because it's, it, you know, they're just shooting the steroid on you to keep the inflammation down. It was genius. So I was just so happy because all that day I had such bad anticipatory anxiety that again, I never felt anxiety. I was just so tired that like I napped all day before the procedure and I couldn't do any work. I was going to like take a walk and, you know, do some Pilates cause I knew I wouldn't be able to do some for a few days and I'm trying to keep it slim and trim for the holidays, you know? And I'm like, I couldn't do anything. I just laid on the couch sleeping and I felt depressed. Like that's sometimes how my anxiety manifests. It, it, I just feel depressed because I'm scared. Um, I don't actually feel like boo, 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 scared. And so, yeah, it was definitely like a whole day thing. And then as I was leaving, I was like, damn it, I'm high for no reason. And they're like, we kind of told you. And I'm like, yeah, but I needed like, I can't imagine having less Valium than this. Like this was what I was supposed to do. So I took the Uber home. It was like an hour and 15 minute ride because it was rush hour and I went to like the other side of LA. So that was kind of annoying. But because um, I was just like, I just want to lay down so badly, but I couldn't lay down in the back seat. And uh, that was it. That's my story of the cervical epidural shot. And, uh, you know, I was reading Yelp reviews of this doctor online. There's always like, I'll actually read you this woman's Yelp review. It's kind of amazing. Everyone was like, I've never met a more caring doctor. Everybody loves this dude. This one woman did not. Someone else was like, I didn't like it. They charged me this. It was like, it's always like some weird, like they weren't clear on their insurance. So far, I haven't had a bill because my insurance rocks the docs. Um, I love my insurance. Hang on. So I, I read this woman. And of course, like if you're, if you're deciding... If you're deciding that you want to be nervous, then you will take only this woman's Yelp review seriously and not the thousands that are like, it's amazing. So, okay, I'm looking. He has like four and a half star overall total. Everybody's like, he saved my life. He's amazing. He doesn't give you opioids. He's the best. And there's like awards all over the office. Um... All right, billing, it cost me 3000 All these people, I know exactly what they did. They went to the surgical center, and that he recommended to me, like, it's going to be so expensive if you do that to go under anesthesia. Um, oh, where is this woman? And it's even like they never have punctuation. Okay. I don't mean to make fun of her. Like, I definitely used to be this way when I had a fear of flying. I was like, like really whacked. And if I could have written a review about this pilot once that made me get in a wheelchair and I was getting off the plane, I'd be like, this guy, blah, blah, blah. You know, because the anxiety, the anxiety really changes your brain. But of course I read this the night before I went in. Again, just picture no punctuation. I find it very insulting and pathetic when a doctor messes up and all he has to do is write up something on how out of line the patient was. What? He was my doctor four or so years ago. She's writing the Yelp review two months ago. Went to see him about my neck. I had no one to drive me. Uber wasn't popular or around then. Four years ago? Yeah, it was. Or I didn't know of it. Plus, had to have someone with you if to be put under. So he suggested giving me Valium. Said like a Valium will keep me calm enough for the epidural, yet wear off about time he's done so I could drive home. He never gave me one. Okay, nobody said that it's going to wear off. At the time, I hadn't been introduced to Valium yet. I was so nervous. His tone was nerve-wracking. His attitude rude. I really was nervous. I have always been the type that can usually handle hard situations. I doubt that. Took care of myself. Very independent. Thought I will just tough it out. The spelling here is bad, too. As he put ne needle through left side of neck, I handled it okay, even though it was nervous, full of anxiety. A needle being stuck into your neck all the way to cervical spine while completely awake. Who does that? 
As he went to the right side of my neck, I could feel the pressure too much, trying to handle it, hoping would be over soon. I couldn't help but squirm around a little. He started with that tone of voice, making me nervous. Ms. Reynolds, please be still. It is important you keep still. All the while, I'm thinking if he did what he told me, I would be calm and more still is what... He, he told me what the Valium does for you, but didn't say that. I told him, doctor, your voice is making me nervous. I am sorry, but the pressure. I would have never gone and had that epidural done while awake if, if knew he was not going to follow through with what he told me would do. Give me something to keep me calm. Sometimes these doctors get paranoid and assume patient wants it to feel high. It was his idea to give it to me. I don't feel high on meds or I wouldn't take that kind. I think what happened is when she made the appointment, they said, we can give you a Valium. And there was a miscommunication that you have to ask them to call into your pharmacy and you pick it up and bring it with you. They don't have it there. Anyway, uh, I don't feel high on meds or I wouldn't take that kind. You do feel high on Valium, sweetie. Uh, so I could have an epidural. What? Did he think I made it all up about no ride? Did he not give it to me and make me suffer like I will show her? He then said to me, after I explained his tone was making me nervous, he said loudly and rudely while yanking out that needle from my neck, throwing it down. Well, I guess we won't do it then. Then he stormed out, leaving me a nervous wreck. Nurses had to try to calm me down as I've not been treated so horribly by a doctor with a needle in my neck close to my cervical spine yelling at me. Told those nurses I never wanted to see that man again. Of course, I was crying so hard I could not breathe or get composure. I said, never want to see him again unless it's in court. The office calls me a day later trying to talk me into a follow-up. No way. Are you kidding me? No. Again, they call. Again, I told them I do not want to see him. This doctor ruined my credibility by accusing me of not following his instructions by saying so in a letter that he will not be my doctor any longer since I would not follow his instructions. OMG. I had already told them when he yanked the needle out of my neck, causing me trauma, that I was done with his horrible behavior. He wrote me a letter. Ms. Reynolds, since you refuse to follow my instructions as my patient, I feel at best I no longer will be your doctor. Oh, since I didn't follow his instructions, he is the one that didn't follow his own instructions by not doing a very important step. The Valium to keep me calm. If he had, not that drama would have taken place. Doctors are too paranoid. We want to get high when it's necessary to follow through with what was important, or I would have just not had it done. He was a monster. I told you this for my credibility as well to save my name by the way lady you're the only one that got that letter so no one ever thought about your name until right now and you're not really doing a good job of saving it his letter was backwards i it was like pulling a tooth without novocaine i had already dismissed him as my doctor before he sent the letter dismissing me i do not take doctors to court although she announced earlier that she would as many times I have been abused, I would be rich. It's not me. I won't stoop that low. Let them be the jerks. Beware. I mean, she's obviously out of her mind. But, of course, when you're nervous enough, you read that, you're like, that kind of makes sense. I bet that'll happen to me. <laughs> There's like 90 reviews. Like, the most amazing man. If, if Mr. Rogers was a surgical spine doctor, this would be him. Oh, man. I hope no one's mad at me. That person's sick and you read their thing. Listen, people, I ain't perfect. I ain't perfect. All right. I ain't perfect. Until next week, avoid things that other people find fun that you find stupid and lay off the unsolicited advice to your friends and loved ones. And until next week, have fun.